This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, August 29th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. And as always, there's a lot to talk about, uh, even though today we're going to focus a little bit more on the real estate side of the investing picture, where you know usually we're talking more about stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, etc. Uh, but in today's world of uh, ever-changing uh, market dynamics, real estate is the center of a lot of people's uh, investing universe, portfolio, and just simply their, their overall assets, right, with their own personal uh, home. So there's a lot in play when it comes to, to real estate. So we're going to focus on that today. But if you've come to look for unbiased guidance, you've come to the right place. I'm Justin Klein. I hope you will call me with your investing questions during this hour. And when and if you make those calls, you shape this show to your advantage. So we're going to focus a little bit on real estate today, but obviously you can call about whatever. If it's an individual stock, a certain asset class, uh, the economy in general, whatever it is, we are here to help you take that next step in your path towards financial freedom. And we do that each and every day with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. So today we're going to do our best to move you along that path one step at a time. Your calls are welcome right now live at 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. And the reason we're going to talk mostly about real estate today is because we have a returning guest expert, Chevy Ackeson. He is a leading real estate investor and he has been serving in a capacity of investor, advisor, and agent for how long, Chevy? Oh man, over 10 years. Over 10 years. So over the past few years, Chevy has helped a number of investors grow their long and short-term rental portfolios. And we are here with Chevy to pick his brain. And you are welcome to do that with your questions. So he's in the building, getting settled. And we're going to devote mostly the second half, maybe a little bit of the first half of the uh, this Invest Talk show to your real estate investing questions with Chevy. So please call, text your friends, family, let them know that there is a resource today to ask your questions that might be on top of mind. Now, our main talking point today was going to be about maybe is cash still a bad idea for investors, but I think we're going to scrap that. We're going to go, devote a little bit more time to... To, to real estate, to Chevy, and try to answer all of your questions. And I know I have a number of questions for Chevy that I think will enlighten all of you, the listeners, into what's going on in the market today. So that's what's uh, that's what today is all about. And uh, let's first check in on the market. We had a modest update. I wouldn't say modest, pretty decent update in the market. Uh, two days in a row after a little more optimism around the China uh, trade negotiations and whether they're going to come back to the table and maybe we get a deal. I mean, we've kind of seen this back and forth for going on over a year now where there's optimism then there's pessimism, etc. So uh, this is not something that I think is a big revelation. Uh, you could easily go back to Trump increasing tweets, or tweets, a tariffs, excuse me, uh, starting September 1st. So we'll see how that goes. Technically, we still remain within this consolidation phase over the past few weeks. We haven't really 
broken up or down, and we'll see where it goes starting next week. Now let's grab a question from our anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. This is Curtis from Alabama, and I've owned Dow stock for a while. And now it's turned into three different entities, and I don't even know what I own anymore. Is any of those companies even worth owning? That's my question. I'll listen on the podcast for your answer. Thank you. All right. Looking at, I believe, Dow Corporation. Uh, I don't know. I don't have the numbers or the, the ticker symbols of the three companies that it's split up to off the top of my head. So it's hard for me to really give you uh, any sense of what that, that really looks like. Looks like uh, I'm sure they did that for pure play reasons. A lot of times these big conglomerates, they're filled with all different types of businesses. Some are doing very well, some are doing okay, some are doing poorly. And when you split them up, you can extract value, especially out of the ones that are doing fairly well. So I would look at the economic trends, the business trends of the three entities and keep the one that remains doing well, despite what you see now of a slowing economic environment. So uh, that's the way I would play it. I don't have those in free, th- three in front of me, unfortunately, but uh, that's the way I would think about which one to keep. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And you and I both know that no one can reliably predict exactly where market moves are, right? And that means you got to be prepared for, to handle market volatility whenever it comes by having a balanced, well-thought-out portfolio that fits your needs, risk tolerance, etc. So do yourself a favor. Let Steve or I help you. Give us a call. Inquiries are welcome at our KPP Financial office in Irvine, California. So you can call that number 800-557-5461. Leave a message and we will get back to you and help you out. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener, You may even have called a few times, but if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Now let's take a quick look at some key benchmark numbers today. Once again, the 2 and 10-year treasury rates flirted with an inverted yield curve. Two-year treasury rate was at 1.51%, 10-year at 1.48%. So you see that inverted yield curve. Uh, gold pulled back a little bit. I've talked about that recently. It's been overbought, but it remains an asset. I think everybody should be increasing in their portfolio. It's up substantially over the past uh, six, nine months now, uh, but I do think it is overbought. Probably this looks like the start of a maybe a more protracted pullback. You know, anything over the past two, three months on a pullback in gold and silver have been one to immediately buy. This one, I think it could easily last a couple weeks, maybe, you know, more seven to 10% pullback range. But in today's low interest rate environment with rates continuing to drop, real yields low, and uh, central banks near the end of their policy tools, it remains an asset everybody should be allocating a little bit more to. Oil, $56.29 per barrel, up a little bit on positive expectations, once again, of a trade negotiation truce between the U.S. and China. Now, jobless claims numbers, uh, uh, people who applied for unemployment benefits in late August rose slightly to 215. 
thousand, but layoffs remain very, very low and still no big signs of major fracturing in the job market. Mortgages, mortgage rates hit 3.58%. Mortgage default rates have increased for the first time since 2008. Serious delinquencies are now at about 400,000. I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. Not Nothing to uh, get crazy worried about, but something uh, to, to simply look at. Now, on the retail front, Best Buy had improved margins in their earnings that they fell uh, after hours, not meeting expectations. Walmart, Costco, and obviously Amazon are doing well. Target as well. Dollar General and Dollar Tree also performing well. So the retail landscape with low unemployment remains relatively robust, but you have to be a solid player that knows how to execute in a, 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 an evolved retail environment as we all know and I think uh, that's all I have to say about the retail space let's uh, let's introduce Chevy right now he is settled and he is ready to uh, discuss real estate how you doing Chevy good Justin thanks for having me man I appreciate it yeah thanks for uh, coming back I know you were on the show what maybe a year and a half ago Oh man, was it probably longer? Longer was it? <laughs> it feels like it. Yeah. I know, man. Yeah, the the markets markets definitely uh, evolved, and I know you've uh, made some some more investments. And it has, dude. You're digging a little deeper into uh, different areas of the investing world, right? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's been going really well. So I think last time I was on, we mainly talked about like the one percent rule and, mm-hmm. and long term rentals, which mm-hmm. with rates at three point five eight percent, it can still be really good, right? Yeah. But um, we've definitely made some some huge strides. I was flipping a lot of properties at that time, and um, now we're kind of we're really branching out all over into a bunch of different markets. And actually, vacation rentals have allowed us to do that. So I'm still a huge believer in long term rentals. Um, but I, I, we're expanding our portfolio and looking at a lot of different options. And I've helped a lot of investors get some really exciting properties that not only do they make better return on, but they also can use them, yeah. which. Uh, which generally you don't get, right? So, did you use any of yours this summer? Oh, of course, my man. Yeah. So, well, so uh, I just got back from Minnesota. I think we talked about that. So, well, you're from Minnesota. I'm from North Dakota. Or, or North Dakota. Yeah, sorry. My wife's from Northern Minnesota, and my brother uh, learned about what we were doing, and yeah. uh, he came across the deal and he sent it over to me, and he asked if I'd be interested in doing it with him, and I said, of course. And then a couple weeks later, he called and he's like, "Ah, do you mind if I just..." do it myself because I want to use this place. You want it all. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, of course, I'll, I'll help you manage it. I'll, I'll, I'll get it all set up for you and I'll show you the ropes and we'll get it going. And so he was blessed. He ended up getting a 10,000 square foot lake house. Um, it's actually on a river, but it connects to a lake in Minnesota. It's got an airplane hangar. Um, Sounds like a nice place for a family a great vacation. place, way below replacement costs. It's been rented all summer and we're, we're really excited to see what it'll bring in during the winter. But it was again. It was below replacement cost, and I think it'll at the very least pay for itself. The winter in Minnesota is going to be interesting, but there's a lot of snowmobiling, ice fishing, and uh, it was cool. My family actually went out there. It's got a house and a guest house. The main house was booked, and he was bummed. He's like, "Block it out!" I'm like, "Dude, it's too late. It's already booked." So my family stayed in the loft, and uh, his uh, his uh, in laws have a place really close by. So we uh, we spent a few days on the lake, and it was it was a great time, and. Uh, little bit of work as well. So, yeah. yeah it was and, cool. I, and I know you have some uh, vacation rentals out here in La Quinta. You ever go to one of those this, this summer? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, so what's, what's interesting. So I had a friend, man, and I call him an acquaintance, a lender buddy of mine who said that, uh, man, it was probably five, six years ago. He came in and he said, you know, I, uh, I was, one of my buddies told me about him. So I, I gave him a call and he had a house in Phoenix and you'll, you'll, you'll appreciate this story since you're a basketball player like me. 
And he's like, you know, so I put it up as a, as a short-term rental. And uh, I think he said it was Dan Marley came in and he rented his house for him, furnished. He needed it temporarily and ended up introducing him to a bunch of NBA players. He, he in turn ended up being like one of the main agents for a lot of NBA guys, moved his family actually to, to Puerto Rico and owns a bunch of properties in Phoenix, vacation rents homes, lives in Puerto Rico now. And so it's kind of always in the back of my mind. And um, as you know, we flip a lot of properties. I can't give tax advice, but when I, but when I flip, I pay ordinary income tax, right? Yeah. Which is a pretty big hit. So I've always been looking at ways to get better cash flow out of properties. So I found this property. I won't go into the whole story because I know we're limited on time today. Um, but I always like hearing stories about how people find the best deals. But uh-huh. I won't go into that right now. If you want to hear about that later when we have time, I'll, I'll talk about it. But so we bought a deal. I bought it for four eighty five. I figured we'd resell it for six fifty to seven. And a lot of my deals I'll, I'll have partners on. So this is an investor I'd been working with for about 10 years. I brought him out and became a really good friend of mine. And I said, you know what? I think this one, let's try to hold it for a year. If a vacation rents well, we'll keep it. Worst case scenario, we you know potentially pay long-term capital gains or we can 1031 instead of paying ordinary income tax. Yeah. And in the first year, it grossed 105,000 bucks. Yeah, that's interesting that you, <laughs> you, you almost did it to avoid some taxes or at least improve your tax uh, situation by exactly. going long-term versus a short-term. Yep. But it turned into a nice cash-flowing property and you still have the... the the option eventually to sell it whenever you feel like. Yeah, like like I said, that was over two years ago, and it turned out to be a really good cash flow deal. We ended up buying more properties. I ended up uh, telling more investors about it. We've a- entered additional markets, and so it's really nice because you can have something with the built-in equity that's potentially flippable, but you can hold it and you can test it. If a vacation rents well, that's great. My daughter spent her birthday uh, last year. My wife threw her, uh, flew her sister in. And uh, they spent they spent her birthday out there. That was cool. So it can be a lifestyle yeah. thing as well. Yeah, yeah. That that, that that's a very interesting story. How you uh, started out with that, and uh, I know you have a lot to to talk about when it comes to the overall market, both countrywide as well as uh, here in California. And you have experience in flipping, long term buy and holds, as well as uh, vacation rentals. So we're going to talk about all that coming up on the rest of the show. So if you have a question. Please give us a call. Now you're listening to Invest Talk, and we're going to get to Connor Mentura here in a minute, right after the break. I'm Justin Klein. If you've been listening to Invest Talk for a while, you've heard me say that I believe every investor should determine their own individual risk tolerance level. And we do that for clients and listeners by using a risk tool, risk questionnaire tool. It's right there on investtalk.com. It's called Riskalyze, and it is free for you. And we can help you from there. But now I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 chart Welcome to a special Invest Talk. It is Real Estate Expert Day. And Justin will be devoting an extended segment to interview leading agent Chevy Ackerson. Chevy will also be taking your questions live. Tell your friends, Justin and Chevy talk real estate investing at the bottom of this hour. And now Justin is taking your calls, 888-99-CHART. That was good. Let's go to Connor in Ventura. He wants to talk about the potential Philip Morris and Altria merger. Hey, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. No problem. Hey, so uh, my question was, I recently um, invested in Alteria. I saw that they had a mm-hmm. drop from about 20% over the last 20 or 20% over the last six months. Um, so I was looking to invest and I did. And then I heard about the potential merger and wanted to hear your thoughts on how uh, a young investor would handle a merger like that. 
Well, the merger makes a little more sense uh, than it, it had in the past. The reason Philip Morris and Altria had split, I think it was 11 years ago, was tried to shield Philip Morris from the litigation side of, uh, of a lot of litigation that was going on here in the United States. And Philip Morris was completely international. So it was all of basically the tobacco business that was international, whereas Altria kept the domestic business. And so Philip Morris was growing a lot more. They have different leadership. So uh, Philip Morris is focused a little bit more on the uh, the vaping side with uh, the investment in Juul and uh, Altria investing in cannabis with uh, Kronos. So Kronos. Those, right, so a combination would give you a more diversified company, company that is, uh, that, that can share technology, share investments, and I think is better long term together uh, through the efficiencies that both of them create. So I absolutely think it'd be good for the business. Now, the market hasn't really reacted that well to it so far. But I think the bigger the company, the more efficiencies they can squeeze out of their operations. They can share uh, their their technology and try to transition both of their businesses away from tobacco and into something else long term that's going to have similar types of returns. So I think this is a positive in general for these two names. Thanks for the call, Connor. Let's go to Min in San Diego talking about GDX. Seems like uh, the, the gold while back, you know. Yeah, gold uh, like, definitely had a, a when, decent when? pullback today. GDX was down a few percentage points. Um, and like I said, kind of the top of the show, uh, gold has been on a tear uh, over the past uh, two and a half months, three months now. And I think this is the continuation of the bull market that really started at the beginning of 2016. We've had a consolidation phase for the last couple of years. Gold has broken out. I think it's broken out decisively to the upside. And we're going to be north of $2,000 an ounce probably by some time uh, by the end of next year. Could be wrong, but I, I think and no tree grows the sky. It doesn't go up directly. You're going to have technical pullbacks. And I think this is a likely a technical pullback. And on GDX, I think it will probably pull back from... You know, it was a little over thirty dollars uh, yesterday, and now we're at twenty nine sixty six. I could see this pulling back into the twenty six to twenty seven dollar area, and that would be a fantastic area to be adding to my position in gold miners in general, or if you just want to play GDX. Thanks for the call, man. All right, let's get back to talking with Chevy a little bit. Uh, as you know, as we talked about, he has some pretty extensive experience in all areas of the investment world when it comes to real estate. But let's talk broadly about the real estate market. Uh, you, you obviously saw a slowdown kind of late last year. You, know, you saw the drop in the, the, the equity markets. Interest rates were, were relatively high in the fall of last year. Mortgage rates hit about close to 5%, right? Yeah, rates. Yeah, the, the raise in interest rates definitely affected the market. The other thing that um, we were talking about earlier was the the foreign buyer, the effect of less foreign buyers coming into the market mm -hmm. has had a pretty significant effect to certain markets. I mean, so what I'm seeing right now, I'm seeing in certain markets, I'm seeing multiple offers, not enough supply and really high demand. Where in other markets that have a high percentage of foreign buyers, I'm seeing a, a relatively large slowdown. Um, it's a lot different than the last pullback, the, la the last slowdown. Because if you look in the last you know, since 2010, 11, 12, people that are going out and getting loans qualify for those loans. And so I don't think we're going to see the supply come like we did 
during that slowdown, but definitely it's been rate driven and it's been a little bit of demand driven mm-hmm. due to the lack of foreign buyers. Yeah. So it's not like uh, everyone's throwing out their house on the market uh, and trying to unload because they have too much debt or they can't well, handle the payment or something like correct. that, like you had in 06, 07, yeah, right? So people have to live somewhere, number one. Number yeah. two is, I mean, most investors that I work with, their interest rates are below 4%, right? Mm-hmm. And so most people you know, they were buying from 2011 through 2014, 15, even, you know, even last year, their cap rates were above 5%. So they mm-hmm. have positive leverage, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, if you, if you would have gone to a real estate investing seminar in 2007, eight, nine, or even before that, before the crash, let's say, you would have heard invest, uh, investment gurus, quote unquote gurus talking about, oh, it doesn't matter if you have negative leverage. It doesn't matter if you don't have positive cash flow because the, the property is going to appreciate, which I completely disagree with. Yeah, it's not that. It's Where, not, and, yeah. and we agree that on real estate, it's not a, a price appreciation game. If you get it, fantastic, but it's more about, about a cash flow if, game. If you buy cash flow first and you look for markets that have potential for appreciation, but cash flow first, you can hold through no matter what, right? Exactly. It happens essentially. We're going to go to a quick break, but until Tomorrow's Invest Talk, a story with this bold opinion. America's CEOs have turned against their shareholders. That story tomorrow. I'm Justin Klein, and after this break, we're going to talk with Chevy a little bit more. So get your questions ready and give us a call at 888 chart The time is now. And if you act now, the benefit to your financial future could be measurably significant. This is your chance to sharpen your investing skills through a valuable online classroom learning opportunity, InvestTalk Academy. Enrollment in InvestTalk Academy will introduce you to a weekly series of live investing classes conducted by KPP Financial Principals and InvestTalk hosts, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. You'll profit from a critical degree of focused mentoring, led by Steve and Justin. Hear their full analysis of the market. Follow along with charts and data points. Understand technical and fundamental analysis. Develop the mindset to become a successful investor. InvestTalk Academy offers an unprecedented value for serious investors. Register now at InvestTalkAcademy.com. Welcome to a special Invest Talk. It is Real Estate Expert Day, and Justin will be devoting an extended segment to interview leading agent Chevy Ackerson. Chevy will also be taking your questions live. Tell your friends, Justin and Chevy talk real estate investing now. Get your questions in 888-99-CHART. Now we are back live with investment Real estate investment expert Chevy Atkinson. He's uh, with Keller Williams, right? That's your that's your broker. And I know yeah. you've you've had a, an interesting journey in this uh, in this realm. You've been an agent for what you said 10, over 11 ten years. years yeah, yep. since two th- I got in right when I felt like the market was going to go down, like two thousand seven, when everyone was jumping. So I was an out. investor before that, and yep. um, I was kind of waiting for the right opportunity to focus on real estate and. 2007 was the year, so yeah. And I know started. we we talked before the break about how you focus on on cash flow uh, investments, which is obviously in line with what we think as well, as opposed to price appreciation. But why don't you talk a little bit more about the health of, of, of a lot of markets? I know you have a lot of agents, a lot of partners throughout the country where you find good opportunities, really, really throughout the country, right? 
Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, uh, to your point, I mean, it's the price have gone up quite a bit, obviously in the last, you know, since 2012, yeah. 11, they've been appreciating. So, I mean, in Orange County where we're at, for example, uh, prices tend to go up for 10 years, then they tend to go down for five. And so, you know, if it started going up in 2011, 2012, we still probably have a little bit of room left. Uh, for prices to go up. Um, what's interesting is uh, vacation rental markets are generally speaking the last markets to come up and the first markets to drop. Mm-hmm. The other interesting thing about vacation rental markets is a lot of time the buyers in vacation rental markets are you know retirees, they're a little more wealthy, they expect the home to be completely turnkey, completely furnished. So properties that I was flipping in Orange County were a lot of times not even financeable. They were in such terrible shape that you'd have to pay cash for them. Where in those markets, you can a lot of times create a huge margin um, simply by paint, carpet, new countertops, and furnishing. And it's a lot of times those houses are actually financeable. So the leverage you have on those deals is a lot better. You have the built-in equity. And then potentially as a vacation rental, you also have the cash flow. So I'm buying stuff in a lot of these vacation rental markets cheaper than they were 20 years ago, right? Wow. Where, as you know, here in Orange County, we're back above the prices where prices were 2006, 2007, um, we're back above those numbers where some of these markets, I'm st- still getting deals cheaper than they were in the 90s, Yeah, which yeah, which is interesting. Now, right? now you talked about vacation rentals and, and there's certainly a, a difference between you know, a buy and hold uh, property. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? What are the, what are the, the positives you see with uh, a vacation rental? We talked a little, bit, a little bit, but also the challenges that you see people have yeah. or maybe they get into it and you know, it's not right for them because of certain factors, et cetera. hundred percent. It's very important that if you're, if you're going to buy a vacation rental that you're working with an expert on vacation rentals. I've seen people buy vacation rentals in HOAs that don't even allow rentals of less than 30 nights, mm. which has a significant effect on your income, right? Yeah. They, uh, they've called me afterwards. I, I call them. I'm like, I'm sorry, because we actually started a vacation rental management company as well about two years ago now because we were having a hard time finding really good vacation rental managers that could help to maximize income. Mm-hmm. And so we get calls for people that want us to vacation rental manage and they're in an HOA that doesn't allow it, right? The other significant risk is political, right? For example, I was working with a client a little over a year ago and I told him the right markets and he called me and he's like, I think I'm gonna buy something in Palm Springs. He had no idea Palm Springs has limited the number of contracts you have per year to 40, mm-hmm. which if you're not in the game, if you're not doing vacation rentals on a regular basis, you don't really know how significant of an impact that potentially could have, right? There's other cities that have put in absolutely ridiculous fines. If you do the wrong thing, they'll fine you $5,000. And then you spend a bunch of time fighting it. And so you want to obviously avoid the cities that aren't friendly to it. You want to avoid the HOAs that aren't friendly to it. So it's important that you work with an expert that has identified the markets that are friendly. There's another, there's another aspect to that. If you find a city that isn't friendly, but you can find pockets of it that it's zoned properly to either have small inns or hotels, there's a really unique niche in the market that we're helping our investors learn how to take advantage of that as well because there's a huge supply for that that product. Like I have a family of six, right? So I have four kids. It's not comfortable for me to go stay in a hotel room, right? I, I need a bigger house with a few bedrooms and it's way more comfortable for us to go stay there for a week. And so there's a niche of people looking for that kind of product. And these cities that are shutting it down are pushing those vacationers out of their markets, but they're pushing them into markets that are very close by. So if you can find those markets where the demand is, is high, but the supply is getting shrunk, you can have really high occupancy and a really high nightly rate and therefore a really good return. Now, Management on a management, you know, week to week, day to day, month to month. 
how how much more work is it to manage a vacation rental versus kind of your typical buy and <laughs> it's hold? A great, great question, and that's what a lot of people don't understand. But you, but they will soon when they buy one. So mm-hmm. typical, typically, management for a long term rental is going to be between six to ten percent. Um, of the gross rent that's collected. Management for short-term vacation rentals is much more labor intense. Mm-hmm. There's there's becoming a niche for like partial service vacation rental management, which is basically booking services, yep. which you're still going to have a lot of work. For full service management, the lowest fee I've seen out there is 20%, and it goes all the way up as high as 50%. Obviously, you don't want to pay 50%. That's yeah. going to really hurt your return. Yeah. But if you can find a, a good company that's going to do a really good job between 20 and 30%, that's that's a that's going to be about right but obviously occupancy is super key setting the right minimum nights pricing all of those are extremely important and so it's it's important to have a really good good vacation rental manager yeah. you know i've had i mean i would say 50% of my clients you know have someone in their family that's trying to transition out of their job and actually enjoys uh, yeah, servicing gas. Partial, yeah, a partial retirement thing to do, right? Yeah, it's a good transition for someone that's transitioning out of the workforce. Or uh, a lot of my clients see what I do and they think it's pretty easy. So I want to become real estate agents. A lot of those clients actually realize it's not qu- quite as easy as they thought. And now I've helped them buy vacation rentals and they, and they actually manage those vacation rentals themselves. So we manage about 50% of the properties I help investors get. We vacation rental manage. The other 50%, I basically show them the ropes and they manage them themselves, which, you know, obviously if you can save that percentage, it makes the return that much higher. Yeah. Now, Chevy Hackson is here now. We're taking your calls live at 888 chart. And here's a question about the housing market and the recession that came in earlier. Hey, guys. My name is Jay. I'm 34 years old. I'm from Sacramento, California. And I've been listening to your show for about a month now. And I really thank you guys for all of your knowledge and wisdom to help us all reach our financial goals. Now, my question today is kind of a mixed bag. So when we look at the overall economy, global economies are slowing. The United States economic growth is slowing. The yield curve inversion is happening. We're seeing more money going to gold and silver, which have been recession-proof assets. How is the economic market connected to real estate home prices? I ask this question because I own a home and I have some good equity in it, and I remember watching my mother and father, along with many others, lose their home in the last recession. I'd like to be ahead of the curve and sell my home pre-recession. Could you give me your thoughts on how the market is connected to home prices and if now is a good time to take my equity off the table and sit on the sidelines for a while? Thanks for your time. Well, my answer, and Chevy might have a a different opinion, my answer is that I wouldn't worry about losing your home. You know, a home is a part about utility first. It's an investment second, I think. Uh, and you know, if your job is stable and you love where you live and you are happy staying there for the next five, seven, 10 years, then, then I wouldn't sell it. But if you're trying to time the market, you know, uh, you know, this is definitely a much better time to sell than it is to, to buy. If you're looking over the next three to five years, uh, there's likely going to be some sort of recession that'll impact housing prices. Now it's obviously slow, right? You have a recession prices and comps come down slowly as opposed to in the stock market, you know, prices move fast, they go down fast, they can go up fast. Real estate prices are kind of slow in general to, to move. So um, it just really depends on, on your time horizon. I think if you are trying to uh, if you're trying to time the market, this is not a bad time to sell and you want to sit on the sidelines, maybe go rent because you don't love where you live now and you're trying to target somewhere else in, another, in the next recession. This is not a bad time, time to do it. That's my take. What would your take be, Chevy? 
Oh man, there's so many things that factor right? in that. So, so Justin, I talk myself out of jobs on a regular basis yeah. by having sellers that call me in and say they want to sell for this exact reason, right? Mm-hmm. So, we created what we call the fundamental valuation report, right? Which basically analyzes the price of owning versus renting a, a similar property, right? So, um, your caller, he's got to live somewhere, right? And so we can look at what it's costing him to own that property versus what it's costing him to rent it. I mean, my brother's a great example. Uh, over 10 years ago, oh, maybe probably 15 years ago now, he, he, he asked me the same question. And I said, look, what's it, what can you rent that property for? And he had a, a pretty significant amount of, of positive cash flow. So I said, you know what? Hold that property rent it out, and then go buy another property. That's what he did. He has over 30 properties right now, right? I know he's glad he made that decision. You know, the other factor is rates, I think, are more than likely to start to creep up. So we were just talking about it. If you go from a 4% interest rate to a 5% interest rate uh, with 20% down, the cost of ownership goes up over 15%, right? That's, That's relatively significant. On the flip side, if he needs that money for the down payment for his next property, I do have clients like this that know they want a much bigger, much more expensive home. If a million dollar home goes down 20%, that's much more significant than if a $500,000 house goes down 20%, right? So you're actually, if you're a move up buyer, it's almost beneficial for you for the market to drop, right? So I think we need a lot more information from the specific caller, which it sounds like uh, you called earlier. Well, he's in Sacramento. Yeah, it was a a voicemail. He's in Sacramento. So I know that area has gotten a lot of the echo boom from Silicon Valley, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of a lot of those, some people commute all the way from Sacramento to Silicon Valley. So there's definitely some, uh, from a cost of renting versus cost of owning, you know, I would have, like you said, we need to do that analysis to see how much higher that cost of, of, of ownership is versus his cost of renting. So maybe he could take, he could sell his house and go rent a house for, you know, 20, 30% less than his I cost. Would, of, I would love for him yeah. to email us. Yeah. Um, he can email you and you can send him over to me and we'll help him do that analysis. Yeah. You know, the other interesting thing in California, obviously the, the property taxes don't go up a tremendous amount uh, because of the laws in California, right? Where in Texas, where I have a lot of rentals, I don't want properties to appreciate because they reassess the property every year and tax, property tax are almost 3%, right? Yeah. Here, they're only generally speaking about 1%, right? So holding a property long-term in California, you're disincentivized to sell because you're holding that, generally speaking, holding your property taxes down pretty low. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good segue into, I know we talked about vacation rentals before, but the buy and hold market in, in general. I know last time you were on the show, you talked about the 1% rule and you even mentioned the 2% rule, but how do you decide if you're going to compromise on the on that rule when making an investment? Because clearly the market is is high in most areas of the country. Uh, you, you Are you still seeing some pockets where you can find the 1% rule and when do you decide to compromise on it? Yeah, I mean, you're trying to get as close to that as possible. But, you know, we talked about it. I mean, again, using like Orange County, for example, um, Newport Beach, where it's a super desirable place to live or Laguna, where you live, it, you're almost never going to get never, never going to get to the one percent. You'll be though, lucky right? to get half a percent. So, you know, so we talked to a lot of a lot of our clients who are, are really smart people and they looked at our fundamental valuation report and they said, look, I bought my house in Newport Beach and it was nowhere near the one percent. It was the best investment I ever made. So in a lot of markets now, we've actually been able to go back for 30 years and take the data and see where properties were transacting over the last 30 years mm-hmm. in relation to rental parity yep. and establish what a really good fundamental value is. Mm-hmm. And so that allows us to extrapolate out a lot of data and find a lot of really unique opportunities and, and markets. Um, so to answer your question, do we um, compromise on the 1% rule? We will. 
but we generally speaking don't want to compromise too much, but nicer areas, we're willing to compromise more yep. areas that are a little more marginal. We're, we're definitely not going to generally speaking compromise. Yeah. Let's go to Sam in Hayward. He wants to talk about having properties in his 401k, correct? Exactly. It's in the self-directed account. How do I pass it on to my kids when I'm gone? <laughs> Your 401k in general, or are you talking about uh, investment properties? But I, the investment properties are in the 401k, and I, you know, instead of liquidating it, you know, if I keep it there, how do I pass it on to the kids? Well, any type of retirement account, you should have a beneficiary form that uh, the assets just transfer over to your children. So uh, that's going to be uh, likely uh, involved with your um, with your beneficiary form. I've never heard of an of real estate inside a 401k. Are you sure you're not talking about an IRA? Well, could be it solo four hundred one k. It's a self directed IRA. Oh, okay, there we go. Or self directed IRA. Yeah. So okay, so it's a self directed IRA. Got it. Yeah. So that's something you you want to talk to the uh, the custody. Who's custodying well, that account? The other thing. So we're having a seminar October twelfth, and yeah. we have a, a trust attorney that is a good friend of mine that's advised uh, some of my friends, family, clients. Um, that's actually going to talk specifically about this. So. Yeah. Um, I think Justin's advice is good. I'm not an attorney or CPA, so I can't give advice specifically on that. But that October 12th, I think maybe we should record it and potentially, I don't know if you can do that, Justin, and post it. But uh, Nicole, we could ask her that question specifically yeah. at that seminar and have her answer it and post it online and maybe even send a link just to that specific answer. Yeah. And if anyone wants to sign up for that event, it is going to be October 12th, 9 a.m. to noon in Irvine, California, right near our, right at our uh, headquarters there in, in Irvine. Uh, near the airport, so uh, easy for everyone uh, to get to. So if you want to sign up, you can go over to investtalk.com, click on the, I believe, the Invest Talk tab, and then conferences, and you'll see the uh, sign-up link there. You will early bird special, I believe, until September 15th, $25 to sign up. So you can go there now. Uh, let's move on to flipping. I know flipping was in vogue uh, a few years back, and... I know you've had some experience with that, and I still see a lot of people trying to get into it. What type of success, success have you had, and what lessons have you learned from that experience? Oh, man. So, I mean, you make money when you buy, right? Yeah. So, it's 100% you make money when you buy. There's still uh, plenty of guys uh, flipping and making really good money. It's a lot harder than it looks like it on TV. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, yeah. They have the shows and it looks exciting and fun, but it's challenging, right? Yeah. I mean, number one, again, is just finding the right opportunity. So we let, like we talked about it in desirable markets like Orange County, you're typically going to have to pay cash. Um, and then finding the deals is very difficult. I have guys that were buying at the trustee sale, which is where it used to be the spot to get deals. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them have had to move away from that be partially because of the TV shows, right? Guys make it look easy. And then, so all of a sudden the sales have been overrun. So they've had to kind of adjust uh, how they find uh, find their deals. Yeah. And we are finding them, but it's challenging. It's challenging. Well, we're going to go to a break here and we'll talk a little bit more about that after. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And we have one goal here each and every weekday, and that is to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work continues after this break. So get your questions in now. We're going to the last segment. So if you have a question for myself or Chevy, you need to make that call right now at 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, America's CEOs have turned against their shareholders. 
A bold opinion claims that the era of shareholder privacy is over. That story tomorrow. But now Justin Klein is here with real estate expert Chevy Ackerson. They're answering your questions live. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Mashu in San Jose. He has a real estate question. Uh, hi, uh, thanks for taking my call. I have a question regarding the real estate. Uh, is it a good time to buy home or better to wait a uh, few years uh, because uh, if the real estate market is going down and interest rates are coming down? Can you advise? Well, that's a that's always a, a tough question, and it needs there needs to be a lot more specifics. Uh, I know Chevy said he's seen a lot of weakness on the high end of real estate, right? You've seen where that's most of the weakness. Where the low end, the, I think there's always going to be a consistent level of uh, of buyers in most markets. So, so Mishu, what I'm you know what I'm advising people to do is to make sure that you keep some cash on the sidelines, so that when there's really exceptional opportunities, you can take advantage of them. With that said, once you have that money on the, on the sideline, as long as you have that so you can take advantage when an exceptional opportunity comes, I'm still a big believer in you know consistently buying real estate that cash flows. So I mean, for example, I mean, I just put in an offer two weeks ago on a deal. I didn't get it because it, you know what, they weren't willing to sell it for the right price, where it was, in my opinion, it was an opportunity right now. But there's still properties absolutely I would buy because they make sense from a cash flow standpoint. So, so you're just saying have discipline. Have discipline. You don't need to, like for example, I mean, another example, uh, that, that purchase would potentially have been a 1031 exchange, right? Yeah. And so I identified three properties. I wrote offers. I didn't get any of them. I'm probably going to eat a little bit of capital gains just because I didn't find the right, right opportunity. Does that mean I'm not going to find the right, right opportunity in the next 30 to 60 days? I'll, I'll probably buy something in the next six months, but have discipline. Make sure you have money on the sidelines so when an exceptional opportunity comes, you can take advantage of it. And, and you're in you're in San Jose, so certainly there's some echo uh, uh, inflation or uh, echo appreciation from the the tech boom, and the tech boom is is coming off. I think we're near the peak of kind of these uh, non cash flowing companies going to market, going IPO, and that tends to mark uh, the top in, in, in a certain cycle. And I think we're near the top in that tech cycle. So absolutely, I would be patient, uh, but always. F- Look for opportunities and pounce on the ones where you see makes sense for you and long term. Now let's finish up with flipping a little bit. Uh, I know you we talked about flipping and it's really about buying, you know, buying correctly, not overpaying for the properties. But in the flipping process or the remodeling process, what type of lessons have you learned uh, in your time of flipping? Oh man, <laughs> that's another broad question. Yeah. But I mean, you know, one of my number one rules besides buying at the right price is like, I guess if I had to take like one thing that sticks out to me over the years is don't buy anything that backs or sides any major roads. Oh, gotcha. Um, you can look at the comps in the area and it's really hard to properly calculate what kind of discount is going to be required of something that backs or sides a busy road. I had a deal in Corona Del Mar three years ago. We bought it exceptionally well and I didn't even feel like it was a very busy road, but apparently it was busier than I thought and I kept getting that complaint. It took me a little longer to move. Uh, we still made good money on it, but the market helped us as well, right? Yep. So if you're worried about road noise, you're concerned that something backsides to a major road, even if it looks like a really good deal, be excessively cautious. And I generally speaking, wouldn't use the same rules that I do on other flips. I yep. guess that's 
probably one of the biggest lessons I've had in the last 12 years. Now, I know uh, on our event, October 12th, we're going to talk about uh, more of these lessons that you've uh, learned throughout your decade plus in uh, real estate investing. We're also going to talk about some uh, certain opportunities in the market. I know Paradise, California is one that I thought uh, thought's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, one thing I've learned is to listen, right? And a lot of my clients over the years have been much smarter than I am. So this actually, this was an opportunity that was brought to me by a client, friend, associate that actually um, has, has talked to me a lot about real estate over the years. And he's he uh, he actually owned property in Paradise, which um, burnt, if you're down. don't know, like a lot of Paradise, unfortunately, burnt down. But he loves the city. He really believes in it. It's a uh, it's a bedroom community, a little little bit outside of Chico, and it's it's a really beautiful area. And uh, what happened there is super unfortunate, but he really believes in it. He wants to help to rebuild it. And so he's actually created an opportunity. Uh, he started a fund to buy lots in Paradise. Uh, and then eventually we'd like to help rebuild it, like to create housing it's a, there. It's a, la- and, it's a land um, banking play, which we're going to talk about a little bit more at yeah. the event. So if you want to uh, attend, just go to investtalk.com, click on the Invest Talk tab, and then conferences, and you'll see how to sign up there. Thanks for joining me this hour, Chevy. I appreciate it. I hope everyone learned a little bit. I'm Justin Klein, and that completes another Invest Talk program. And I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Please come back tomorrow. Steve will be here, and I return on uh, Monday. No, I return next Thursday. And you can call anytime with your real estate investing questions at 888 99 Chart. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, It's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.